Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Friends Show. I'm your host, Nicholas Lorimer. Today, joined by Mr. Gerban van Gerden. Harry, how are you doing? Um, hi, Nick. Uh, tired, but otherwise good. That's uh, that's an inauspicious start to the week, I think, if, you, if it's only Monday and you're already running out of energy. But I wish you all strength. Um, and we are also joined today by Mr. Terence Corrigan. Terence, how are you? Harry's too young to be tired. Not allowed to be. Thank you, Terence. <laughs> that, but I'm too young. I appreciate that. Thank when you. you. When, when you get to my age, you are thankful if you can just make it through the day without falling asleep. All the things I have to look forward to in my life. Okay, <laughs> let's start off with our first story of today, and this is uh, we're going to talk about one of the most important uh, party policy developments of the past couple. Of months and that is so we saw the EFF's manifesto launch last weekend and this weekend or the weekend we've just had uh, was the DA's manifesto launch and considering the DA is very likely to remain to to remain the second largest party in the country and very possibly um, although it is unlikely there's still a possibility that they may end up being a part of a national government so with that in mind what does the DA manifesto looks like well, it commits basically to seven sort of major promises. They say that if they were the government, between 2024 and 2029, the DA would, one, create two million new jobs, two, end load shedding and water shedding, three, halve the rate of violent crime, including murder, attempted murder, and gender-based violence, four, crush corruption by abolishing cater deployment in favor of merit-based appointments in a capable state that delivers for all, five, lift six million people out of poverty, Six, triple the number of grade four learners who can read for meaning. Um, that's, uh, I think, increasing the number. I think that that number is currently something like 20%. So that's actually a surprisingly um, low target. And seven, ensure quality health care for all, irrespective of economic status. So they then lay out several ideas about how to do each of these objectives. Um, so I think today we should just kind of have a little bit of a look at these and think about how credible we think they are and whether this is a good uh, manifesto or not. So uh, talking about the jobs plan, um, there's a whole bunch of things, but I'm just going to pick out a couple of them. Uh, they want to overhaul restrictive regulations within the Labor Reg Relations Act that currently deter hiring and instead foster an environment that promotes job creation. They want to facilitate skills development to carve out a distinct apprenticeship category within the Labor Relations Act. They want to remove racial targets or quotas in the Employment, Equity and Preferential Procurement Acts, measuring progress towards sustainable development goals um, rather as a way of doing redress. So in other words, looking at, uh, at, at socioeconomic status and poverty rather than race for whether you're uh, you know, complying with... Uh, I guess, redress stuff, affirmative action stuff. Um, broadening the collective bargaining system so that it is representative of the bargaining parties. And this is, I think, a, a key piece here. We will also exempt small, um, medium and micro enterprises from the administra administrative extension of bargaining council agreements. That basically means that very small companies would be exempt from sector wage increases and that kind of thing. 
making labor unions to pay a deposit pay a deposit before they can strike and then if there's damage caused during that strike uh, it gets taken from the deposit uh, so let's start off on this job section um terence let me start with you what do you make of these claims? Do you think that they're a credible thing? Um, for what it's worth, I think that they do definitely address some of the core things that need to be done in order to turn around um, the uh, jobs problem. But uh, what's your thoughts? I think that they kind of move the needle in the right direction. Um, I do have some concerns about the constitutionality, for instance, of that of a of a deposit before strike before striking. Um, I think it also that also there's also let me say a little inbuilt contradiction there that you um, uh, that you want to liberalise the um, uh, the labour market while constricting labour uh, labour activism. I think they, they would have an interesting they have an interesting argument to make about um, uh, about that about the it's a lack of consistency there. But um, my major concern is the idea that you can uh, that you can sort of put a number on the on on the jobs that you that you will create now two two millions are very very big ask and I think that we're going to get that you you sort of get into all sorts of questions. Well, are you talking about jobs or job opportunities? We've seen the ANC do this do this regularly. Um, my own sense is that uh, I I think that I I think that. Um, uh, Freeing up um, sm smaller enterprises from the uh, from from the class of labor legislation is uh, is a good idea. In fact, I think that's that that's essential. But you know, those are those those things in themselves. I don't think are going to be um, are going to be decisive. And I think that one 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 has to keep and keep in mind is there's a broader issue here, and that is how do we get economic growth moving? And I think this is the, we need a mind, mind shift, uh, a mindset shift uh, across the board in South Africa. The idea that that you know your that that that, that policy should focus on creating jobs. Well, it's fair enough. I mean, the, that's the uh, that's the offering you want to make to a population suffering forty plus percent unemployment. But that is a happy byproduct of growth. If you don't get get the growth going, your jobs are not are either not going to come, or they are going to be, in some sense, make work. And I think in that in, in that case, you're probably better off just you know handing over a check to to um, uh, to your uh, to those who might have been your beneficiaries. So each of the sections of their manifesto has this thing at the top called our bold solution, and then it has some sort of uh, kind of keystone. Um, plan for creating jobs. So, Harry, I want your thoughts on this one. Their bold solution for the unemployment stuff is that they want to create a youth employment opportunity certificate. The certificate will allow young people to be exempt from the minimum wage if they choose to be so. Um, if uh, the goal is to make it easier for young people aged 18 to 35 to move from not having a job to having one by offering flexible employment terms, the certificate will be valid for two years. And will be implemented to give unemployed people who have not been employed for 12 months or more the right to exempt themselves from sectoral wage agreements if they choose so. What do you make of that? And what do you make of some of the other things that Terence and I have talked about already? Yeah, I think um, that's that's an ideal goal. I mean, part of the reason why our unemployment rate is one of the, the highest in the world is that... Uh, the policies enacted in South Africa are extremely inflexible. Um, 
very rigid. Uh, people can't choose to, you know, work for whatever sort of income. You know, there has to be some sort of uh, minimum wage, and it's it's almost like the government saying that it's better for you to be unemployed than do any job at all. Uh, um, so I, I think the the DA's proposal is. Um, it, 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 there, there, there is merit to it, um, and I think regarding their their broader manifesto, um, a lot of the things that they uh, mentioned or listed in the manifesto is something that they've already implemented or started to implement in the the province that they control, in the Western Cape. I mean, they have this uh, red tape reduction unit in 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 the cape which which uh, creates a little bit more of a business friendly environment um they have for example uh the law enforcement uh let me just check the uh law enforcement advancement plan the the leap initiative to that has actually um you know had some meaningful impact in reducing um, crime levels in, in, in the poorer areas of Cape Town. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, they, they've started to, uh, you know, have private individuals, organizations selling electricity back into the, the grid, uh, if I'm not, if, uh, if I remember correctly. So the, the, the DA manifesto, I think they, they, they mention a lot of the basics that need to be um, done right. Um, things that the ANC will, will never, um, you know, do. Uh, for example, the, 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 the um, taking away uh, transformation policies or empowerment policies. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a big gap uh, policy-wise between the DA and the ANC. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the, the, the problem is, um, I think even though the, what the, the Democratic Alliance's manifesto has a lot of the right things listed, um, will they ever have the opportunity to, to implement, implement it? Because, um, the DA has always been a 20% party. Um, it's really struggled to break that barrier. And even if, uh, I mean, their moonshot pact barely gets 35%. Um, I think the, 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 the real question is, is, you know, how is the DA actually going to be able to, to convince voters to, to, to come back to it and uh, so, so that they can actually implement what's in, in their manifesto? Right. Uh, you know, even if they did fantastically well, you know, beyond what the polls suggest, let's say they get 30% of the vote, um, you're still going to have to have a coalition probably with some parties that are have quite a different point of view on some of these ideas. So I don't know, maybe we could even view this manifesto as like the starting point in a negotiation with some of its coalition partners is to say, uh, you know, this is where we're coming from. Let's meet you halfway on some of these. Um, one of the difficulties, though, I think, in the manifesto sort of broader goals here is um, when you combine, when you, when you look at the 
the problems of grants and finances. So they commit to no new taxes. Um, they commit to no stealth taxes. They say that they will expand the number of items that are exempt from VAT uh, to include bone in chicken, um, beef, tinned beans, wheat flour, margarine, peanut butter, baby food, tea, coffee, and soup powder, uh, which I'm sure is will be very popular amongst particularly very poor South Africans. Um, but then they have to sort of try and make up the money for that, right? And so they have a number of ideas. They say they'll improve state-owned enterprises through a balanced approach to privatization. They'll make SOEs financially responsible, fostering competition and innovation. They will uh, try and create economic growth by introducing one-stop shops for small businesses to reduce time and cost of starting a business. They'll create debt ceilings in the form of a fiscal rule to limit annual government borrowing, avoiding further debt crises. And they have a whole bunch of uh, decentralized ideas um, for dealing with everything from ESCOM to crime. Uh, they say they'll have rural protection units. They'll have decentralized police force into each province. Um, things that I am a very big fan of. But uh, the question becomes, you know, it's going to be quite a difficult balancing act, even if you could wave a wand and eliminate all of the waste and poor spending in government to increase uh grants and avoid new taxes. Um, they also want to increase the child support grant to the same level as the official food poverty line. And they want to turn the social relief of distress grant into what they call a job seekers grant, which is that you get money as long as you are actively seeking work opportunities and provide evidence that you are looking for work. Terence, what do you make of those two sort of slightly conflicting ideas? Uh, in, in, in principle, they're not bad, but I think that we that that you do run into something that a prospective uh, new government would uh, uh, would would face, and that is that you are you are going to have the civil service you have, not the one that you want. Um, so let's say you got you know the thing, the uh, advantage I think of South Africa's current uh, current social grant system. Um, it, it seems that there are a great many people who are benefiting from it who are not, let's say, intended beneficiaries. But there are civil servants who simply see this as a poverty reduction uh, um, uh, measure and therefore are, are inclined to sort of approve as many as many comers as possible. Um, if you're not having to having to sort of prove who you know uh, uh, that you um, uh, you qualified through a series through through a, um, a series of, of, of administrative tests, then that is a fairly simple thing to 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 um, uh, to honour. And I think this is kind of what the social relief of distress grant does. It steps in and provides what, in many ways, is a kind of basic income grant. Now, if you are going to try and put a um, uh, you turn this into a job seekers or a sort of conditional grant, then you know you would you would have to you would have to take into account what you know just how reliably could you um uh, could you could you test these things now uh, there are countries with far more um with far more capable civil services than we have and also far more experience at uh, um, at dispensing social protection systems which find this extremely difficult um I was told about a case in um, a case in Britain by um, by my late brother, who said that um, there was a guy who had to who had to show up um, 
you know, to, to, to be validated for his job seekers allowance. And the official responsible would just start the meeting by saying, I presume you haven't looked for anything. I presume you have no intention of looking for anything. You just need me to sign your form. And he said, yep, that's pretty much it. Because I'm a doll blodger. And um, that was just kind of the uh, um, uh, kind of the way it went. I think that 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 um, ultimately things like you know making these um, uh, making these systems function better, uh, one can't um, uh, one one can't argue with that. But I do think that that is the work of of a number of years. Um, and I think that that uh, scaling back the you know sort of tax obligations is likely to be a diff- to, to be a, to, to involve a very difficult fiscal balancing act. Um, so I think you know let's maybe look at this as an exercise in idealism, which would probably run into um, run into a wall of um, a, a wall of reality. But I think at least they are talking about these things. At least they have put them on the on the agenda. Yeah, uh, the thing about the job seekers grant is that there are similar programs in a lot of developed countries, and I do know that some abuse um, definitely takes takes place there, where you have people who will um, get a job for like two weeks. Uh, they'll find a job somewhere that goes on for two weeks, and then they'll quit it immediately as soon as they sort of qualify for the for the thing. But um, you know, I do think that that is a minority of people, and that considering how pervasive unemployment is in South Africa, mm. there certainly would be a lot who would take up this opportunity to be like, uh, no, this is actually, yeah. you know, something to just keep me going until I can get a job. Look, I, I don't, um, uh, I'm not, I, I, I just want to be clear, I'm not suggesting that uh, that, that, that there are going to be all sorts of, um, uh, you know, prospective beach bums, uh, you know, uh, exploiting this, but I'm saying that if you, if, if, if you impose particular, uh, you know, uh, reporting, um, uh, reporting, and, uh, and 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 qualification criteria. Someone has to administer these, and I'm not sure that yes. uh, that, that, yes. that, that that is going to be an easy thing to do. No, definitely. Um, so perhaps which is why... every hoop, but you know. Yeah, that's... it's it's part of the problem is is that there's a lot of you know sort of good ideas in this manifesto, but for some of them to work, you need to do other things. But then for those ones to work, so you need to, they they have a section, for example, on reforming the civil service, um, and their big idea there is pretty much to separate party and state between each other and reduce political interference in in public service, um, official select selection, inc- introduce exams for public servants uh, to get certain positions. It sounds kind of good, but then you also have to kind of keep running government at the same time yeah. while trying to reform the public service, and you also need to get down crime. So it's it's uh, you know, <laughs> I think I think looking through some of these solutions, you kind of get a sense that uh, while even when you have good ideas, the actual task of implementing a lot of them right. are is going to be a very Look, big challenge, considering how big the problems already are. Let me just uh, 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 let me just sort of illustrate from from a personal experience what what, I, what I'm after. Um, I've just uh, uh, reapplied for a uh, for a passport, and let me say that this new system where you don't actually have to fill any papers or whatever, and they take your photograph. It's it's great. It 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 worked it worked wonderfully. Okay, long queues, and whatever. But let me just say, I had to go there three times because uh, the first two times the system was down. So when it works, it works. When it doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually where they, where they took your your fingerprint with a roller and ink. You could still do that. 
<laughs> no, that's a that's a good point. Um, I don't know if they actually have anything in here about it. I may have missed it if they do, but uh, uh, there's something to be said for overhauling most of the country's IT systems, which are hideously uh, uh, inefficient and break all the time and unworkable. Um, or as the uh, that that uh, I remember looking at the Harting website for an article I was writing, I think a year ago, and the Harting Provincial website, and I. Uh, remember clicking through the pages and seeing multiple banners which read place image here <laughs> never finished the website uh, so that's definitely something that needs to be <laughs> turned around um Kerry, any any final thoughts on this before we move on yeah i i think the 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 problems um south africa's facing currently is uh, Herculean. It's 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 going to be a mammoth task to 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 fix it. I mean, uh, isn't the, the the DA in control of the Tswane Metropolitan at the moment? And we don't really hear any good news stories here at the moment because Tswane has been run to the ground. You know, has been run into the ground so much um, that it's going to take a long time to 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 turn things around and I think that's going to be even you know more so for the for the rest of the country um yeah it's uh you know the DA says that you know they want to expand a little bit more on our uh, social safety net and it is feasible to um you know, lower taxes at the, the same time or reduce taxes because, you know, this country has a reputation for the misallocation of resources, spending money where there shouldn't be money spent, uh, the bailing out of SOEs, um, of course, corruption, state capture, so much money has gone to waste over the years. So if you can curb back on all of those things, then maybe it is possible to, you know, keep taxes a bit lower and expand the welfare system. But but once again, I mean, you will, in order to achieve that, you are going to have to work with a lot of, you know, people who've really benefited um, from the system in in some way or another over the years. And you, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be difficult to, to, to overcome that. I think, um, but but it's like Terence said. At least you know the DA is talking about these things, and they're moving the needle in the right direction. And they've opened the the, the door to consider you know alternative good policies. So obviously, um, something to to have a look at as the elections come closer and. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether any of these do in fact become policy in the next government. Um, that uh, I think it's, it is definitely overall, I would say, a credible document um, in terms of a major political party manifesto. Um, <laughs> certainly better than the EFFs. Uh, there will be three working shifts a day, so the economy works 24 hours a day stuff that they had in their manifesto. But uh, anyway, let's go on to our next story. And also sticking with the DA here, um, the DA is demanding, uh, it, it won a number of court battles, um, which forced the ANC to hand over the minutes of the CADA deployment meetings that they had, particularly the ones that the DA is interested in are the ones between 2013 and 2018 when President Cyril Ramaphosa 
was the head of the cadet appointment committee in the ANC. Um, uh, but the ANC has said that, in fact, they don't have access to the minutes between uh, 2020, 2012 and 2017, um, and that they won't be able to supply the DA with this. They need more time to collect some of the, the documents. Uh, there are lots of things included in the request that the DAs had. Uh, one of the things requested was the um, uh, was not just the minutes, um, up to 2017, but also the minutes since David Mabuza was the chair you know, from 2018, and apparently those are going to be handed over. They also requested emails and WhatsApps relating to the thing. The ANC said they need more time to do this, and they apparently called the DA on Friday asking for an extension. The uh, DA says that this is it's not going to accept an extension. They think the ANC are dragging their feet on this, and that if they are not given everything they requested by the end of today, they will um, take the ANC to court on a contempt of court charge. Um, the DA's Leon Schreiber said, for them to call us only on Friday about that suggests that they have not been very busy until Friday. They did indicate they are compiling it and we told them that the deadline is today at 5pm and they must comply with that. If they don't, then we will look into a contempt of court route. Terence, uh, what do you make of this story? Um... I think it's 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 a sort of Janus phase thing. On the one hand, possibly the most con consequential story of the decade, the past two decades, perhaps since since the 1990s, because cadre deployment has constituted a form of, const of systemic constitutional vandalism. This is corruption in the true sense, not about you know pilfering money or you know looting or whatever. This is about undermining and subordinating and subordinating institutions so the institutions do not function. And that is the definition of corruption. Um, on the other hand, I've always had uh, suspicions that anything meaningful would be handed over. Um, I think the one thing that the ANC will, will well, I don't want to say never, but that I, I, I can't quite get my head around the idea that they would is to hand over anything uh, pertaining to the uh, cadre deployment com uh, uh, committee over which President Trumaposa presided. I think that the um, that for those who care about such things, and it's not universal, um, the great um, uh, the great alibi for South Africa's malaise has been state capture, which I think you know was uh, uh, was a phenomenon. But it's something that uh, the president talks about as though it was perpetrated by someone else. That uh, you know, that was those people. That was the guys over there. Uh, that was the others. Um, I wonder who the deputy president was during the state capture period. I always well, forget. That's, that's that. That's the whole thing. You know, as um, uh, as the wronged husband once said, "I gather there's been a Roman holiday, and my wife wasn't very far away." Um, and I suspect that you know I suspect that this could that this could be uh, that that exposing that to the full glare of public scrutiny that um, you know Gupta picks for various officers or whatever might have run through the cadre deployment committee under one um, uh, uh, you know Mr. Ramaphorma uh, might be extremely um, uh, extremely embarrassing and I think that there is a subsection of the ANC support base for which that would be extremely disappointing. Um, as I say, look, I think that South Africans have kind of, kind of become inured to, um, uh, to these sort of things, and, and 
much of the ANC's uh, a voting base freely acknowledges the ANC to be synonymous with corruption and, you know, can sort of factor that in and reconcile it with a choice to vote, uh, to vote in that direction. But I think that there is a group that that um, uh, that is very turned off by it. Um, and as long as they can, in their minds, believe this is all being done by, uh, you know, a certain uh, former president now resident in Encantla and a certain expat family now resident in Dubai and, you know, certain other people, um, that's uh, an emotional bridge that they can cross. Um, but I, as I say, I... I, I I will sort of believe it, though that 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 we have had full disclosure of that sort of thing when when I see it. Harry, any thoughts on this before we close up for today? No, it's. Um, I mean, it's 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 huge. I mean, cadre deployment um, is the 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 foundation of of, of state capture, and uh, you know, President Ramaphosa has. You know, when he campaigned to be president, he made corruption his center piece. You know, he's going to fight against it and he's going to roll it back. Well, I think South Africa slipped again in the corruption perceptions index. We've we've hit a new low, um, and yeah, it's 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 thanks to policies such as as cadre deployment. So if the if the DA can manage to have the courts declare cadre deployment as unconstitutional, you know, un unlawful, then um, you know that that could really go far away to 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 get the ANC to loosen its grip on on many pivotal state institutions that um, are collapsing all around us. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a huge thing, but. Uh, uh, well, we'll have to wait and see if the, the ANC can, you know, find, find these these missing minutes. <laughs> yeah, certainly not something the ANC wants to have come out just before the election um, uh, to show that their president may have perhaps been a little bit more involved in state capture than he's long claimed. Anyway, um, that is all the time we have for today. We hope you found the show interesting. We'll be back tomorrow with the Daily Friend Wrap. Cheers, everyone, and have a most wonderful and excellent Monday.